Welcome to the Thinklings Podcast, a conversation where good thoughts help renew the mind with the Word of God. I'm Charlie Carter, and I'm here with Tim Little and Andy Stearns. Let's jump into the conversation. Welcome to the Thinklings Podcast, episode number three. Thanks for being here today. We're going to hear from Dr. Tim Little. He's going to walk us through some passages in the Old Testament about the fear of the Lord. This is a study that I've heard him walk through before. It will be very, very good for us. But before we jump into that, as always, we have some Thinklings business to tend to. Any good books? Books in business. I'm going to talk about the book I talked about the last time. The Tree of Life, an exploration, an exploration of biblical wisdom literature by Roland Murphy. I'm sorry. I can't, I was say it again, just for posterity. The Tree of Life: An Exploration of Biblical Wisdom Literature by Roland Murphy. So there's a couple of reasons why I'm bringing this book up again. One, because I'm going to talk about the fear of the Lord, and the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs one seven. So we're going to talk about that in the main uh, discussion today. I also wanted to bring it up because last time we discussed. Uh, the Chronicles of Narnia, specifically The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, which is a children's fiction title. And this book is not a children's book at all. Uh, Murphy in the first chapter, I didn't really care for the chapter. He just is kind of light. And then he discusses the relationship between Egyptian proverbial literature and the book of Proverbs, which I just didn't really find it very helpful Um, but one of the reasons why we read books that sometimes are not very helpful is because they can really stimulate the intellect, the mind. Hmm. And there are many times in uh, the bookstore, I see people and they kind of have a certain diet of books and they tend to be of the Christian living or the same academic level. So I just wanted to give a plug out there to push yourself and read something that doesn't look very comfortable. Uh, get out of your comfort zone. So for example, uh, in this book, another chapter that is more helpful is Wisdom Literature and Theology, where he discusses the origin of wisdom literature, which uh, there's a couple of competing theories, and a lot of it is very speculative, but Gerhard van Rod uh, in his Old Testament theology has given us a lot to think about uh, when it comes to wisdom literature and what it does uh, and what it uh, where its origin is. For example, one of the aspects of wisdom literature is in Proverbs chapter 3, and it's connected to creation. Uh, so there is something about the order of creation that's connected to wisdom. And most people don't realize that. Uh, so reading a book like this, even having to sift through some stuff, can be really intellectually stimulating and helpful. And we... Just to be very honest with you, listener, as soon as we finished the previous podcast, we're like, you know, that's just not fair to the Tree of Life, the book, that we would compare it to a wonderful classic Christian fiction book. Yawn. Because they're just, also I mean, very Tim deep. is not very much for genre studies in general, but it's not fair to compare that nice, fun little book about the lion and the witch and the wardrobe to this really technical book on Old Testament wisdom. So we wanted to kind of come back and give it a fair shake. So anyway, Stearns. Doug Wilson says it um, like this. He says you should read until your brain creaks. And so if you've ever like loaded down a wooden cart 
or like the back of a truck and you get so much weight in it and it starts to creak under the weight. Mm. Wilson says, when you're reading, you need to read books that do that to your head. And the point is that it, it you, when you push your, it's what you just were saying, when you push yourself mm-hmm. beyond your limits, a lot of times as a student or as a person, you read a book and you're like, I'm not getting any of this, but you actually remember more than you realize and you exercise your mental muscle so that you can read better books next time. So I'm mm-hmm. totally agree with you there. Yeah. And this like, has nothing to do with us talking about our books, but the thought that I came to is actually, I got this in your class, Tim, hmm. the discipleship class is when you're walking someone through a passage of scripture, I think someone who's studied for, you know, maybe not the majority of their life, but they've spent so many years in intentional study of a text. Like for me, when I walk through Ecclesiastes, I can get really excited just about saying, oh, look what I found, look what I found. And I'm so excited about it because I had to go through that process. Right. I had to let the creaking happen. I had to think and contemplate. And I'm giving them the, what I see is the finished Mm. product. Mm -hmm. But to them, it's just like, okay, cool. You gave me the answers. And there's much more profit there when you make them really think about it. So are you kind of supporting a certain philosophy of education? Yeah, you know. Maybe there's some biblical support for that philosophy of education. Oh, my goodness. These were assignment titles in that course, which, you know, I'm not pursuing a degree currently. I took this discipleship class, I'm air quoting, for fun. And it was fun. It was a lot of fun. You You need to challenge yourself that way. But man, there were some nights I was like, why am I doing this to myself? (laughs) The brain was creaking and it was saying, why? But also on the flip side of that, I think of, you know, we're, we're kind of in a context where part of what we do is we read for what we do. Um, But there are people who they don't read all the time. And I think that if you pick up a book and you haven't read one, I mean, the first time I read a book after I'd taken a break for a long time after my last degree, it, it can seem inefficient or like nothing good is taking place because you don't understand something. And mm-hmm. I guess the call here from, I think all of us is to persist and be faithful and you'll eventually grow. Like, the, do you remember reading Gadamer, mm. Tim? Yes. In, Tim and I's first class up and having on class on hermeneutics, we had to read this crazy philosopher named Hans-George Gadamer. And man, we didn't even read Gadamer. We read a summary of Gadamer and we could not figure out what this guy was saying. We went back to it a couple of years later and we could pick up more that was there that we, we didn't know the first pass through. And so don't, a good book takes sometimes two or three reads and mm-hmm. sometimes you just got to read it that many times to get it. So did you, did you already hit your quote? Stern? No, I'll just, I'll toss it in cause it's right on top of this. Yeah, that's, I was thinking so, that. So Wilson says, when it comes to reading, part of your motivation is important. So if you take Greek with me, one of the th- cautions I give you the very first day of class is if you're going to past Greek, you have to want it. Greek's not something you just do because you need to, and you got to get out of the way. You got to want it. Wilson says this, and this is from his, the same book we talked about last week called Wordsmithy. It's a book about writing. And incidentally, he has a lot to say about reading in the book, because if you're going to be a writer, you need to be a reader. And he says this, he says, read like a lover of books and not like someone who wants to be seen as knowledgeable or well-read or scholarly. Read because you want to, not because you need to. Then he goes on to say, actually, you need to as well, but you need to want to. Mm. You also need to want to need to, but I'm rapidly getting out of my depth. He's just a quippy guy. But the point is, um, when you read, if you don't want to do it and you're just doing it because people tell you, 
your effort isn't going to pan out because you don't love what you're doing. Oh, and so, love. What yes, does love exactly. Mean? And I think you're going to take us there. But, Calm down, Tim. Not but, yet. Not but, yet. But if you don't like reading the question, or if you don't think you're good at it, part of the question might be, how can you cultivate a love for it? And so for me, it was hearing all these people talk about what they read all the time and seeing they understand the Bible, they understand the Christian life. And so. Yeah. And there's actually a, a quote from oh, a book yeah, that I'm going to mention here. And I can't give the context in this podcast, maybe a, a subsequent podcast, but the main character is learning how he, he needs to read. And no matter where he's at in his life, he can be kind of caught up in his own desires. And if he's searching for something he doesn't have, he's, he's not going to enjoy life, but he recognizes that no matter where he's at, if he can cultivate his mind, it will produce pleasure for him. So here's, here's the quote. Uh, where do I start in this? There's so much here. Happy said I, and this is Telemachus, the son of Odysseus. This is a Greek mythological writing by this crazy French dude in the 1600s. So he says, happy said I are those that have lost their relish for tumultuous pleasure and are content with the soothing quiet of innocence and retirement. Happy are they whose amusement is knowledge and whose supreme delight is in the cultivation of the mind. Wherever they shall be driven by the persecution of fortune, the means of employment are still with them. And that weary listlessness which renders life insupportable to the ones who are voluptuous and who are lazy, that is unknown to those who can employ themselves by reading. So someone who's caught up in desire, someone who's lazy and doesn't feel like it, they miss out on this greater pleasure, which is to entertain and cultivate their mind by reading good books. So anyway, mm. a lot there to think so, and chew on but in, so good. in mm. our business section about books. But to the main part of our podcast, Tim is going to walk us through some passages about the fear of the Lord. So I've already mentioned Proverbs 1-7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, a beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. But uh, So the fear of the Lord is a major and a very important concept when it comes to wisdom and an Old Testament theology of um, everything, our relationship with the Lord. Uh, most people don't realize this, but uh, the book of Proverbs is actually closely con connected to the book of Deuteronomy. Nobody ever reads Deuteronomy. I mean, it's um, kind of interesting that uh, one of the books that Jesus quoted the most was Deuteronomy, um, but we don't know anything about it. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 5, we have this theology of the fear of the Lord that's introduced. Deuteronomy 5.5. 5. I'm just going to be reading out of the New King James today. I stood between the Lord and you at that time. That's Moses that's doing the speaking here. So I stood between the Lord and you at that time to declare to you the word of the Lord, for you were afraid because of the fire, and you did not go up the mountain. So the historical setting here is uh, Mount Sinai. The Lord has come down upon the mountain, and the mountain is literally lit up on fire. There's earthquakes, there's uh, smoke and clouds and darkness, and the mountain's on fire. And of course, the children of Israel are terrified. So uh, they're like, hey, uh, Moses, why don't you go up and talk to the Lord, and we'll stay down here. And uh, the Lord then intervenes and hears them and says, Moses, go ahead and do what they said. And then the Lord says this in Deuteronomy 5.29. Oh, that they had such a heart in them that they would fear me 
and always keep my commandments that it may might be well with them and with their children forever. So I like to go to this passage to illustrate something. First of all, the children of Israel were afraid of the Lord. If they were afraid of the Lord, then how is it then in Deuteronomy 5.29 that he says that they don't fear him? And what we see is there's these different kinds of fear. Uh, so what is fear and how should my relationship be with God? Uh, this is a bigger conversation than what we can just address in a podcast. So I'm just going to kind of uh, sprinkle some things out there and encourage you to study this out for yourself. The premise is, is that we need to fear God. So what does that mean? Now I'm going to go to Psalm 19 first uh, to introduce you hopefully to this topic a little bit more. In Psalm 19, we have a general revelation at the beginning, and then uh, the psalmist talks about special revelation. And in the section on special revelation, which special revelation would be the Word of God, we have this. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Verse 8. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Now, I know I'm using precious seconds and minutes reading through these passages, but I'm reading through this because you have to understand the context of Psalm 19.9. Psalm 19.7 has the law of the Lord. Okay, what is that? That's special revelation. That's the law. The testimony of the Lord, another word to refer to God's commands in Exodus and Deuteronomy. Psalm 19.8, the statutes of the Lord, all right, and then 19.8, the commandment of the Lord. All of these things are, are words that refer to God's law. Uh, so then in Psalm 19.9, then he says, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. And of course, our concept of fear is like this emotion. And so I've even heard pastors go to this passage and then they explain the fear of the Lord as being some emotional thing. But that's not what's going on here at all. The fear of the Lord in this passage is completely intellectual. It's something mindish. The next mindish. That is a wonderful, wonderful that word. That is so good. Okay, thinklings. Mind-ish. All right, let's think. Psalm 19:9, we have the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. So you have the fear of the Lord in a list of six different descriptions of God's law. And that's the first thing I want you to take away from this concept of the fear of the Lord, is that the first thing is that it's in, it's intellectual. It affects the mind. And if you don't learn something about God, if there's not been some kind of light that's come into your mind about who God is, then you're not fearing him. And you're not appropriating the correct uh uh, concept, the correct meaning of the fear of the Lord. This gets into a big historical discussion even of what emotions are and Jonathan Edwards, his religious affections and um, Augustine and the church fathers. So there's a lot of places where this conversation could go, but I'm going to stick to the Bible. I'm going to go and take you to Isaiah 29, 13, because the children of Israel, they erred in understanding the fear of the Lord. Uh, I'm going to read this passage for you. Therefore, the Lord said, inasmuch as these people draw near with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but have removed their hearts far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the commandment of men. Now, of course, we're focusing on that last line. Their fear toward me is taught by the commandment of men. 
they're fearing the Lord as only a commandment. You see, the fear of the Lord is not only something intellectual. It's not something that's only mindish. It's also something that's emotive. It's something that uh, affects you. So to use Jonathan Edwards' terminology, there can't just be heat. There has to be light and heat. I'm going to explain that. The light is the mind. The heat is the emotion. And we've talked about this already on the Thinklands podcast, and that um, some of our most um, spiritual experiences have been uh, that have revolved around God's word. I remember Andy using an illustration, I think an episode or two ago. Uh, Me personally, I remember working through an exegetical project on the Ezekiel chapter one. I mean, most people don't have any clue what Ezekiel is about, much less chapter one. Um, But in my study of that passage and parsing verbs and analyzing the Hebrew syntax, I was just driven to my knees in worship of the one true God. What is that? My mind saw something, it learned something, and then it affected me. That is the fear of the Lord. And that is the beginning of knowledge. That is the way to wisdom. This is the major theme throughout the book of Proverbs. The fear of the Lord is a choice. Proverbs 129 says, they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. You choose to fear God. In Proverbs 2, 5, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord requires something that's understanding. You have to work at it too, if you study Proverbs 2, 1 through 4. So the fear of the Lord is a major Old Testament theological concept that starts in the mind and then it affects you. And this has implications for as far as the meaning of love is concerned. And um, uh, just a very important concepts. I could talk about this for a long time, but I think I need to stop. Well, okay. So you stopped. You just stopped abruptly. I've got a couple of thoughts. Okay. Andy and I are just over here and we're listening and we're just like looking at each other at certain points throughout your explanation. One, I of, ha- one of those points being when he said mindish, cause that's been that like my favorite that. word I think I've ever heard him yeah, say. That was, that was a, that was that a good, so good, that was a good thinklings moment right there. We, I don't know if that's in a dictionary, but listeners, oh, Dr. Little is eye rolling so hard right he, now. He does not like this type but of, but that uh, was, we're serious. That was a really good way to describe it. Okay. Sorry. Back to you. Yeah. So I have a Lewis quote. Go for it. And quote I have, Lewis. I have a, I have a passage that came to my mind as we're, as we're walking through those ideas of choosing Okay, start with start first with the, the, the intellectual side mm-hmm. and the emotional side of fearing the Lord. There's a great quote in C.S. Lewis's The Abolition of Man. Oh, yeah. And I've, yes. I've already referred to this, I believe, mm. on the podcast. But the heart should never take the place of the head, but it can and it should obey it. Mm. And so here is the fear of the Lord is not just this you know, overflowing, passionate love. It's just this huge emotional experience. It follows what I know to be true of the Lord. And that's where you've said in Proverbs, there's an understanding that is a part of it, which is really good. So as you're walking through that, that's the, I I love that quote. I I will probably quote it many times, Mm -hmm. but so that, that popped in my head and I had, I had some verses popping in my head from the new Testament. Stearns, I want to kick it over to you though. Like what, what were you thinking? Well, you said the fear of the Lord leads to obedience. 
Did I hear that right? Uh, yes, it does. I mean, because it's connected to the law of God. So understanding what the law of God is and then, you know, walking in the law. Proverbs 3, 7, the fear of the Lord, fear the Lord and depart from evil. Okay. So, yes. So th- the, the passage that came to my mind is the New Testament passage that says, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and it ties loving God to obedience. Mm-hmm. Your discussion was tying the fear of God to mm-hmm. obedience. And so I think there's a, there seems to be a parallel here. Well, yeah, it's the, like the, the passage that popped into my mind is maybe a different scripture passage, but if you love me, yes, keep my commandments. Yeah. And, and so a part of that emotional response that we have in our understanding of the fear of the Lord is expressed in loving obedience, which, which is exemplified to us in Christ. Yes. Obviously he had a loving understanding relationship with his father. Biblical theology of emotions Mm -hmm. is a conversation we can maybe even have and connecting it to love. People don't understand what love is. um, And it's really hard, at least in my experience, it's been very difficult to get people to, especially young people who are romantically involved or they have a romantic interest, interest in somebody. Well, what is love? What really is it? Uh, I like teaching the fear aspect and fear of the Lord because it shows that these emotions should first be something intellectual mm. and the emotion should flow from that intellectual knowledge. Properly ordered affections. Correct. So even just understanding love and romantic love in the Song of Songs, what is love? Well, love is first knowing something. And I was in Deuteronomy 5 and 6, and of course, Deuteronomy 6, 5 is love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. You're very much there, Uh, which of course, Jesus seemed to like that verse a lot. Yes, he did. He did. He did say that a lot. It sounds like um, if you take like a cultural trope, the idea of love at first sight, that's not the kind of love we're talking about. This This is more like a cultivated relationship. Like, uh, you love at first think. Yes. Well, or even was, just love, love at it. first feeling. Yeah. But that's the thing is like, there's this <laughs> cultural idea that like, I see, boom, I'm in love yep. and it's, it's, it's out of my control. It's something that happens passively to me. That's that I can't affect. But what you're saying almost sounds like there's so much personal choice involved in it that you can affect it and you, you're supposed to affect it and how you cultivate that is going to have something to do with the shape of it. Yeah, I mean, you're getting into some theology of the Song of Songs, which would be uh, a topic for another day. The, um, but you're exactly correct. The idea of love at first sight is a completely unbiblical theme. Uh, it's yes. not supported by a biblical, the true biblical theology of love. And I could really get into the song in our application here, but I think we're going long. Yeah, we're we're twenty something minutes deep here, but so we don't really need to close with a verse. We've given you a lot of verses to think about, a lot of concepts to think about, even as Andy and I have kind of just quipped and commented on what we've walked through in Deuteronomy and in Proverbs. You you have a lot to just wade through there, but I will just kind of reference another Old Testament verse that does reference the fear of the Lord. It's a personal favorite of mine. It's in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And don't have enough time to unfold this, but there's observations he makes and he draws some conclusions based on those observations. And one of the large observations he makes in chapter three of Ecclesiastes, Solomon, is he's reflecting on the sovereignty of God. 
And as we recognize how God is sovereign in our lives, that is part of understanding who he is that should lead to my fearing him. He ties that knowledge of God's omniscience, omnipotence, his control, his providence, his sovereignty to my response. And he says it this way in Ecclesiastes 3 verse 14, I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything can be taken from it. And God has done it so that people fear before him. And so even there's an aspect of purpose to the sovereignty of God in my life personally. Everything that he's allowed in my life was perfectly timed to produce a response, a choice of fearing him. And uh, that is something that you can think and evaluate on as you listen to this podcast with whatever circumstances you're going through right now. That is an expression of God's sovereignty in your life. And you can understand that attribute about him and choose to fear him through that. Thank you guys for being here and listening to podcast number three. We love doing this. It's fun. We hope that you are challenged and enjoy this. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Thinklings podcast. We would love to hear from you. If you have any feedback, suggestions, or potential topics that you'd like us to discuss, you can contact us through our email, thinklingspodcast at gmail.com. Remember, don't let this conversation end with this podcast. Read good books, talk about them with your friends, and always continue to cultivate your mind. See you next time on the Thinklings podcast.